The following audio message is from Neighborhood Church in Overland Park, Kansas. At Neighborhood Church, we seek to be a community that loves God and our neighbors together. If you would like to learn more about Neighborhood Church, please go to www.neighborhoodchurchop.com. So good morning. Before we get into the sermon, um, we have some guests in town, and I want to introduce them and let them share a little bit. Um, but to introduce myself, my name is Dave Parton, uh, the pastor here, head of the church, and super pumped on this summer day. You've come to church and to remember Jesus, as Rivers did a great job pointing us to this morning. Um, but we have some friends in town, um, uh, the Noltrick family, uh, and they're missionaries in Budapest, Hungary. Uh, they arrived two months before Rivers and I arrived, and I was looking through some pictures, and uh, there's a picture of Ryan picking me up and picking my family up in Budapest from the airport and taking us to the neighborhood in which we lived. We lived in the same neighborhood uh, there in Budapest. And I got to live our first four years as families together, uh, learning ministry together, learning what it means to live in Hungary. And, and we left uh, in 2013, and they've, they've stayed, and they still live there, and they're back on a furlough, um, building their ministry partner team, sharing their story, uh, what what they do for a living, uh, working with crew in Budapest, sharing, um, sharing their faith with people in Budapest, but mostly training uh, missionaries and nationals all over Eastern Europe about how to study the word and how to have a foundation of the gospel in teaching. Ryan's going to come. So Ryan, come on up and, and share a little of your story. And he's also Doug Bonebreak's cousin. So um, yeah, so we're excited about that. So, so maybe you can share about how you are helping grow Neighborhood Church. You can start off with that. Sure thing. <laughs> yeah, so a year ago, Doug and Lindsay came to visit us in Budapest, Hungary. And as we were sitting there talking with them and they were expressing um, just their desire for what a, a church community would be like, we said, we have some friends in Kansas City really close to you who are starting a church. And, and so, yeah, we helped bring some people here to Neighborhood Church. So that was great. <laughs> Um, so, yeah, we get to live in Budapest, Hungary, and it's a beautiful city. We've loved living there for these last nine and a half years. And so Dave gave me a chance just to come and share with you for just a couple minutes about what we get to do. And so um, I would love to, to get a chance to do that. We started off working with the high school ministry in Hungary and got to have two and a half great years of serving with Hungarians in helping reach high school students there in Budapest. And the plan all along was that I would transition from that to more of an area level. And so that's what I've been doing for the last number of years, where we work in Budapest, but we're serving the 20 nations of Eastern Europe. It's a varied area, all the way from Russia, Belarus, and Ukraine, down to countries like Albania, Kosovo, Montenegro. Lots of different countries, different cultures. Some are Muslim, some are more like Catholic, some are Orthodox. And, um, you know, this area was dominated by communism for decades. And communism did a great job of stamping out belief in God in these countries. And so many of the people who are there now serving with our organization, CREW, they grew up in homes that were not Christian, had no kind of church background whatsoever. And so when people came to know the Lord and then decided, hey, I want to join this organization called Crew and help other people know Jesus, 
they don't have much background in scripture. They don't have much background in really understanding who God is. And so that's where our role comes in. We have the privilege of giving leadership to the over 800 staff in our area and helping them learn God's word. That's our role, as we are the biblical and theological team. And so we get to go teach the Bible, teach how to study it, teach how to apply it to their lives and ministries. And so that's what we get to do right now. Um, you know, these, these staff are, are out sharing their faith. Um, they're you know, discipling people. And we want to make sure that our organization is, you know, not a mile wide and an inch deep. We want them to have depth and to really know who God is and interpret his word accurately. And so we have the privilege of getting to do that. I get to travel to these countries and teach courses. I get to help give theological direction to the organization. And so it's, it is an incredible, incredible job that we get to do over in Hungary, and we've really enjoyed it. So um, that's very briefly what we get to do in Hungary. Uh, we would love to, an opportunity to, to share more about that with you um, if you'd like to hear. Part of the reason we're back in the States is to you know, visit family and friends, but we're also here to find more people who would like to partner with us in that ministry. Uh, if you would like to, to partner or even just interested in hearing more about what that would look like to help serve these 800 plus staff and all the volunteers, um, we're here you know, finding people who would like to be a part of our prayer team as well as finding people who would like to, to help us just financially in uh, the, the financial needs that we have to, in living over there. So thanks for giving me an opportunity to share a little bit and uh, hope to visit with you more. Thank you, Ryan. And I was thinking that maybe the best way to do that, if you're interested, they're here until the, uh, they're here for a week. So um, if you just want to write your name and phone number on a card that was one of those connection cards, um, and you put those in the box and just put that missionary guy or Ryan, um, we'll get that, we'll get hit your name and number to him, and he can just contact you while they're here in town. They have some space to meet with families, and they love to eat, and we love to cook in our neighborhood. So if that's something that's happening, you just want to have a sweet time where it's like, what's for dinner tonight? Well, we're having missionaries over. You know, like, that sounds like a fun thing. They'd love to enjoy uh, sharing their story, and their kids are great, and our kids get to grow up with their kids for a while. So um, this morning, let me start with a word of prayer. And then we'll uh, jump into Matthew 16. Father, we thank you so much for the gift of the cross. We thank you that um, we believe it today. Uh, we have a faith uh, that you have given to us, and we rely on your word uh, for our foundation, for our direction in our lives. And, and each Sunday as we study it together, um, may we uh, enjoy it, enjoy you. Uh, may our hearts be aligned more with who you are and what you would uh, have for us because we know that would glorify you and that would give us satisfaction. It's in your name. Amen. Um, this morning I just have a question for you. Has there ever been something that you've been a part of or that you've done or something that was maybe impacting you that started so slowly and happened kind of so gradually that, you know, say a year in, you didn't even recognize how deep into this rabbit hole you've gotten. Maybe it's a hobby. Maybe you look, like for me, you look at your board games, and you're like, how did I get 85 board games? How did that happen? Some of those are like Candyland, but there's a lot of good ones there, right? So, I mean, how did I get a cabinet full of board games? Like, it just kind of gradually happened over the last 10 years. Or maybe for uh, many of us, you know, the first thing that comes to mind is maybe sin, like 
Like you've kind of started dabbling in something and then all of a sudden you're so deep you don't even know how to get out. And maybe a community like this is a place where you can confess that and begin to get help. Um, but other times it's, it's maybe something that we think is good. And, and as I was thinking about this today, our, our, our topic is going about Jesus interacting with the Pharisees, believe it or not, as we keep talking about this, because he keeps talking to them and they keep talking to him. So Jesus interacting with the Pharisees and he tells his disciples to beware of them. To beware of the teachings of the Pharisees. The, he uses the word leaven, this idea of you know, yeast inside bread. And this idea of yeast, it's slow. It's, it's, it's kind of secret. It's happening behind the scenes. Um, it's really powerful. It impacts uh, deeply. And, and Jesus is warning um, us of the teachings of the Pharisees in that way. But you may remember, which will be a really popular word I use a lot today, that we talked about the leaven of the kingdom of God, right? So all, almost all the time as we talk about God's kingdom pushing forward, guess what? There's another kingdom that's fighting against God's kingdom. And I began to think, what does that look like in our area? And um, I thought of this, and you guys may have attended this church or been to this church or know people who go to this church. It's a pretty large church. Uh, it's, you know, it's the Unity Church down the street on Antioch. And I've never visited the church. Uh, we had a neighbor uh, one of the homes we lived in in town went there and was active there. Uh, and I went to their website, so uh, by no means today am I using them with, uh, with, um, with a lot of authority by any means. But I just wanted to read something to you guys from the Unity Church website. We welcome you just as you are. Recognize that each person is on their own unique spiritual journey. There are many paths to God. And we honor all faiths, backgrounds, ethnicities, and diverse expressions of individuals and families. There's a place for you in our spiritual community. And we hope you'll join us for Sunday celebration services, classes, workshops, events offered seven days a week. At Unity, you can connect with like-minded people in an inclusive environment, allowing you to grow spiritually, have fun, and experience a fulfilled life of abundance and meaning. Like 95% of that is like awesome. It sounds a lot like our website. But there's a part in here, there are many paths to God that I do not believe. And you maybe you came visiting today thinking that. And maybe that's where you're at. And you're, you're experiencing neighborhood church and our community and our environment here. And maybe you still think that. And I'm glad you're here today. But today as we look at the leaven and the, the, of the teachings of the Pharisees, I just want to be honest with you guys that man is not more inclusive than God. And I think the unity church, this idea of the Unitarian um, sect of our country, where they think they're more loving than God because they think all faiths lead to God. But logically playing that out, just because you make up something doesn't make it true. And I think one thing that was, as we lean into today, the teachings of Jesus and God's word, is we have to listen to it. There's a humanistic blindness that comes from our current culture of wanting to be tolerant and inviting and inclusive. And I think the church should lead the way in that and not the unity church. I think the Christian church, because of who Jesus is, should. If you were here last week, our title was All 
are welcome. We studied Jesus going away from the Jews some and going into the non-Jewish parts. And we began to hear about Jesus welcoming everyone who wants to believe can have a relationship with him. But we must lean on Jesus. We must lean on what Jesus says and what the Bible says. The very ministry that Ryan and his Tim team do is to make sure as these, all these different countries and backgrounds fall in love with Jesus, that they rely on the truth of the Bible. So what does the Bible say? Well, Jesus says there's only one door to God. There's only one gate to God. There's only one path to God. There's only one way that one must go to enter the kingdom. That's what we've been talking about all year. And that path is Jesus. John 14, 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now that doesn't sound very inclusive maybe. The Unity Church probably doesn't quote that on Sunday mornings. That's probably not their passage this morning. But my hope for you is that you will believe and understand that everybody that's going to unity right now is welcome into the family of God. But we trust the Bible here at Neighborhood Church. And today as we talk about remembering to be aware that there's a whole world out there that's teaching a different doctrine. And it's going to sound maybe better than that of the Bible, but it will not hold up. It will not hold up. We're going to learn about the Pharisees and the Sadducees and be reminded of the truth of Jesus. So let's read Matthew 16, verse 1. It's on page 821 in those black Bibles on the chairs. Feel free to take that as a gift if you need a Bible or know somebody who needs one. Matthew 16, 1, page 821. And the Pharisees and Sadducees came and to test him, they asked him to show them a sign from heaven. He answered them, When it is evening, you say, it will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning, it will be stormy today, for the sky is red and threatening. You know how to interpret the appearance of the sky, but you cannot interpret the signs of the times. An evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah, for he left them and departed. And when the disciples reached the other side, they had forgotten to bring any bread. And Jesus said to them, Watch and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. And they began discussing it among themselves, saying, We brought no bread. But Jesus, aware of this, said, O oh, you of little faith, and why are you discussing among yourselves the fact that you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive? Do you not remember the five loaves for the 5,000 or the many baskets you gathered? Or the seven loaves for the 4,000 and how many baskets you gathered? How is it that you failed to understand that I did not speak about bread? Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees, for they understand, understood that he did not tell them beware of the leaven of the bread, but actually the teaching of the Pharisees and Sadducees. So what's going on here in Matthew? Well, we have Jesus, just prior to this, having a posture of, I'm here for all people. He healed a Gentile woman, healed a ton of people by the water, and then fed 4,000 men and their families with only seven loaves of bread. And then the Pharisees and Sadducees come to him and say, give me a sign from heaven. They just, he just, so anyway, you know, Jesus is dealing with all this chaos, and, and, and I want to remind you that um, if you weren't here just, just a month and a half ago or so, we were going through Matthew 12, 
right? Right now we're in 16. So this is what happened in Matthew 12, 38. Then some of the scribes and Pharisees answered him saying, teacher, we wish to see a sign from you. But he answered them, an evil, adulterous generation seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah. Man, the Bible, it's just like this. These guys have this thing they want from Jesus, and Jesus keeps telling them the same thing. So let's remember that, right? Let's remember when you read the scriptures that something might come up, and you're like, hey, didn't that just, what's the, why is this happening again, and why is Matthew choosing to share this same story again? Well, let's look at these conversations. First, in the Matthew 12 story, Jesus had healed a blind and mute man. That means he can see and talk now. And then the the Pharisees asked for a sign that he's God. Okay, so they're not getting in Matthew 12. Matthew 16, he just healed all these people, this woman's daughter, fed all these people. They asked for a sign. They want some sort of sign like, hey, turn the moon into cheese, you know, and like have a giant rat eat it that looks like stars. You know, it's like, I don't know. They want something bigger than this. But there's a difference in the groups that are asking. The first group was scribes, and Pharisees, but now we have the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And I don't know if you hang out with Pharisees, scribes, and Sadducees, but you probably have no idea who in the world these people are, because I also am learning this as well. So the Pharisees are a little more familiar because they keep showing up in Jesus' life. Like he's trying to do ministry, and the Pharisees show up trying to test him. But what's the Pharisee? Well, the Pharisee is the religious leader of the day. He loves his authority. His concern is the outward of what people Think about him, how they recognize and honor him. That's his focus. He's kind of concerned for legalistic minutiae, just the law getting every detail right, and even adding more and more laws, a weightiness on the people. Okay, who are the scribes? Well, the scribes are a part of the kind of Pharisee clan, and they worked on multiplying copies. We know this word scribe, you know, somebody who's rewriting the law over and over again, and they were teaching it to others. They didn't just write it, they are also teachers. And I learned this week that the word lawyer, that we see lawyer comes up to talk, to talk to Jesus, and that shows up. It's the same word that's used interchangeably in the New Testament, this idea of a lawyer or a scribe or a, picture, a seminary professor, nothing against you, Ryan, but a seminary professor, you know, somebody who's teaching the Bible, right? But now who are the Sadducees? Well, the Sadducees, they were religious leaders of the day as well, but they were in contrast to the Pharisees. So they were like, you know, the religious enemies of the Pharisees. So they're kind of ballot out. And why is that? Well, the Sadducees believed only in the beginning part of the Old Testament, just the written law of Moses. It didn't really accept any of the other writings, God's interaction with all the patriarchs and beyond, all those, all those prophets. And we also learn in the New Testament, something that the New Testament writers keep talking about the Sadducees, they did not believe in the resurrection of the dead. Like the idea of spirits and angels, they didn't believe in that realm. So you have the Pharisees over here. You have the Sadducees over here that are kind of discounting a ton of what the Pharisees believe. But what do we find? They come together. And what brings two enemies together? Unlike a common enemy. That's right. And who do they pick? Oh, Jesus. You know, Jesus is the common enemy, right? I think Matthew wants to point this out. They disagree on so many issues, but they work together to test, trap, and stop Jesus. So, how does Jesus respond? 
Well, 16, 13. You know how to interpret the appearance of the sky. So Jesus talks about the weather a little bit here. You cannot interpret the signs of the times. An evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given except for the sign of Jonah. So first of all, Jesus mentions that they can predict the weather. So they're aware of things. They can see when it's a nice day or when there's a storm or if it's nighttime. But they can't see the signs of the Messiah. So the very people that are rewriting the Bible over and over again, the people who study and force other people to live by all these laws, who are studying the very Old Testament, that's pointing to Jesus over and over again. He's showing, look at this contrast. Look at the irony of this. And once again, in 16, just like in chapter 12, he references this Jonah character. So Jonah, if you're new to the Bible or new to the story, you may know him as the guy who's inside the whale. And it's not Pinocchio, right? But it's the guy inside the whale that's in the Bible, or the Bible calls it a big fish. All right, that's the picture. That's the picture here. So Jonah was a prophet called by God to go to a city called Nineveh. And Nineveh, believe it or not, it's the the enemies of God. So the prophets being told by the loving God, go to your enemies and my enemies and tell them about me. And Jonah's like, Sure thing, God, and goes this way, right? Sure thing, and that's why this, this book and this minor prophet's so intriguing because this narrative, but what happens, he gets, because he's here, God's punishing the whole boat of people that he's on, and they realize it's Jonah. That's the reason why God, the God of the seas and the earth and the, the weather, that Jonah gets tossed off. And guess what his life preserver is? A big fish. So God saves his life in the water, by letting Jonah live inside the belly of a fish for three days. But it's a story that we know of because he doesn't stay there three. He, he gets out. The reason why you can put three there is because we didn't say he got eaten by a fish, right? Do we say Jonah's in the, way, or in the fish for three days because, because he, he didn't get eaten, right? He got swallowed by a fish for three days. That means he came out of the fish, and guess where he went? He went to where he was supposed to go. And guess what happened to the enemies of God? They repented. They repented, and we see the heart of God for all people. All are welcome happens over and over again. But what's this focus? Well, in Matthew 12, Jesus gives a little bit more. Matthew 12, as we studied before, for just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. So Jesus is foretelling his own death when he says, the only sign you're going to get is the sign of Jonah. It's also the sign of his resurrection. So as we learn about the Pharisee, the Sadducees, Jesus is saying, I'm going to be resurrected. So how are the Sadducees maybe feeling about this? Well, Jonah came out from the death, in a sense. He was saved. He, was, he went to save his enemies. Can you guys see the gospel in that? Jesus will be killed, be in the tomb for three days, and come out, and he will save his enemies. This is the sign that Jesus says the Pharisees and the Sadducees will get. You will get this past sign of Jonah, but you will get the future sign of Jonah too. It's coming. And Jesus calls them adulterous. Why, Bill? Because we've studied this over and over again. What's an adulterer? Somebody who goes after the wrong person that's not theirs. God is the one who we should pursuing. The Pharisees and Sadducees were pursuing themselves. 
They wanted people to see their own righteousness. They didn't point people to the beautiful God. They pointed people to the beautiful selves, which they thought they were. But Jesus frequently reminded us that it's only on the outside that these guys were righteous. They were not on the inside. So let's move on. How did these two religious groups fit with today? As we begin to wrap things up, what does it mean? Because unless you run into Sadducees and Pharisees, you might be like, well, that's a cool story. So J.C. Ryle helps us here. Uh, let us remember that we live in a world where Pharisee and Sadducees are continually striving for mastery of the church. Some want to add to the gospel, and some want to take away from it. Some would bury it, and some would par it down to nothing. Some would stifle it by heaping on additions, and some would bleed it to death by subtracting from its truths. Both parties agree only in one respect. Both would kill and destroy the life of Christianity if they succeeded in having their own way. Against both errors, let us watch and pray and stand on guard. Let us not add to the gospel like a modern Pharisee. Let us not subtract from the gospel to please the modern Sadducee. Let our principle be truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Nothing added, nothing taken away. So Jesus, in verse 6, says, Watch out and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Now, of course, this word leaven isn't maybe another word for, for bread. And, and the disciples, in their normal candor, think he's talking about the, the bread that the Pharisees and the Sadducees had. And they're like, oh, we didn't, for, oh, we didn't remember the bread. And Jesus is like, a little disappointed, but normal. It's normal, Jesus. You know, disappointed in their faith and their perception and their memory a little bit. But the disciples realized that Jesus was talking about the teachings as we finish up. So who were the Pharisees? Well, they didn't believe in Jesus. Clearly, they keep testing him to try to convince us that he wasn't God. Uh, the Pharisees added to the gospel. We talked about this, the, this weightiness that the Pharisees are adding, and they seem to care more about what man thinks than God. And the Sadducees, they didn't believe in Jesus either. They subtracted from God's law. They just had a little part, and they just removed the rest. They didn't believe in the spiritual resurrection or other things of the nature. So how do you beware of false teachers like these groups? I've got three things for you as we close today. We fight false teachings with faith, Perceiving and remembering. And we get this from the passage. How Jesus is disappointed in these three things. So first of all, we fight false teaching with faith. Because faith is the assurance and conviction of belief and hope. Faith is a gift that it gives to us. So this morning, if you believe in Jesus, that's a gift that God has given to you. He's opened up your heart. Faith is a heartfelt confidence about God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit and how real they are and how God loves you and how he desires to adopt you into his kingdom and how the Holy Spirit seals you forever in his kingdom. You have a confidence in the work of the power of the resurrection of Jesus in your life and the love of the Father. And this is where we start if we want to fight false teaching. It's finding our identity in Jesus and what he has said and believing what he has done. Secondly, we fight false teaching with perceiving. We must be aware to beware. To beware, you must be aware 
with your eyes? What are your eyes looking at? Are they looking at the right things? Are you considering when you look at things what God thinks about those same things that you're looking at? Are you perceiving with the eyes of God? Just a couple weeks ago, we talked about the blind leading the blind. And what happens to them? They fall into a what? A pit. They're destroyed. Jesus wants to keep our eyes open and perceptive in this world. As a church, we're not supposed to hunker down and be secret and become like a small little cult. We're supposed to be out and seeing what's happening in the world. What's broken? And how does God care about that? And I should care about. And we pray when our heart does not align with God. We should love the things of God and redeem the broken things in this world. And it begins, of course, with our own confession of our own sin. And thirdly, we fight false teaching by remembering. As River started us out so well today, what has God already done? We have his word. We have the life and teachings of God's son and also his chosen people throughout the Old Testament. God continued to pursue all the way to today. Holy Spirit continues to pursue people as he grows his church. We studied Jesus the last year and a half because we think Jesus, his words are amazing and point us in the right way. We remember what Jesus said, but also what he did for us. He died in our place. Guys, we have the history of the church, and for many of us, we have our own histories. Do you remember what God has done in your life, your journey? how he has pulled you out of the pit to live for him. We remember that's how we know that we are in the right place in this world. And when false teachings come, we can recognize them. Lastly, I just want to share about how we can remember our future, the promises of God, the rewards of heaven for his children now and our future. God will judge all the poor, evil things of this world. God's kingdom will come in full. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess and see that Jesus is Lord. So church, friends, let us live by faith and remember to be aware. Let's stay connected to trusted brothers and sisters who will stand up for us when we're down and distracted by this world. Let's be aware that there's false teachers everywhere, and some of them seem really good. But without Jesus, or with extra rules, they're broken, and they will pull your freedom from you, and you will be trapped in the pit. Let's guard ourselves. Put our faith in Christ and remember to be aware. Let me pray.